me tell you about my best friend He's a warm-hearted person who loved me till the end People let me tell you about my best friend He's a one-boy cuddly toy My up, my down, my pride and joy People let me tell you about him He's so much fun Whether we're talking man to man Or whether we're talking son to son Cause he's my best friend Yeah, he's my best friend la, 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 la. And now Enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope Malmax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Jagos and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, the battered Mandalorian returns to his client for a reward, but begins to have second thoughts. There will be so many pew pew pews! Din officially becomes a dad, and there's that emotional support ball. We're talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 3, The Sin, this week. How you doing, Chris? Good, yeah. BB-8 was the last real like. Yeah, but now he's been supplanted by a by a nun. That little knob. Just a little piece of metal. Yeah. That 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 the feelings, the feelings of the knob. Oh, don't take that out of context. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's your first Broadway play. Hope Malinex presents The Feeling of the Knobs. <laughs> we are starting classy and hot today. <laughs> How you doing, Chris? You having a good week? Well, I'm knobbing it up this week. Uh, had, I, I, had a, I had a good week at work. We were slow at work, so I finally, I've been craving, craving, craving Cincinnati chili for like the last month. I, I saw interviews with people in Cincinnati and they were asking them what they liked about Cincinnati and they were all going, nothing! Well, the chili's good. And I was like, oh, Cincinnati chili, I want something. I finally, we had a dead day at work and I went down the street and got a few of the ingredients that we didn't have and whipped up some some Cincinnati chili. We, We finished off the rest of it today at work. Me and a bunch of coworkers, a bunch of people got to try Cincinnati chili for the first time and understand. No, I'm gonna have one coming in and and meowing it up too. So you can't hear that loud ass cat screaming in my door. I don't know. I was t- I was blabbing, so I might not have <laughs> heard it. Well, let me give me one second. I need a little cat out. I didn't know she was in here. Meow, meow, one sec. Come out, loud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can okay, hear her now. <laughs> can you hear me now? That's what she's saying, you know. That's what she's saying. Continue. What? That's what she's saying. Can you hear me now? I know. Oh, she was meowing the entire time you were talking. I was just staring at her, waiting for you to finish about Cincinnati Jelly. But she was just sitting beside me going, Ah! Yeah, we finished up. Finished up the Cincinnati chili, and and it's great. I love when I have a new batch of, of coworkers who've never like it. I'm making up food, and they're like, "All right, I'll try it." Because like cooks are weird people; they don't like 
like other people making their food unless they go to a restaurant and it's like but if they're watching someone make food and stuff they're like ah, rah, rah, rah. but they all tried it and then they were all just like um, 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 yum, 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 yum. <laughs> which is what cincinnati chili does so like delicious chili. i don't like any chili it's it's different than it's 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 not chili it's a it's it, it's something that happened in Chile with Greek immigrants starting a restaurant and making a topping for hot dogs. No, that I don't was like so, any chili. Uh, it's like it's sort of like a meat hot sauce. No. With chocolate in it. I don't like any you chili. On, that you put on top of spaghetti. Chili is scraped out of Satan's ass and put in a bowl. Oh. Uh, I don't like any chili. All chili is disgusting. What if what if the chili made you feel like chocolate makes you feel? Depends. Does it happy. still taste like chili? <laughs> it <laughs> tastes like it's like this fine fine paste, basically made of ground beef with many spices and 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 the, the the secret ingredient chocolate which is not a secret ingredient you can get the recipe anywhere online baking chocolate not sweet chocolate so it has a bitter rich undertaste to it and it's very strongly flavored so you put it on a big mound of spaghetti and and then you can either put onions depending on what you like you can put onions you can throw beans on top and then you usually throw some shredded um cheddar cheese on it and mix it all up so there's so the 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 meat is is spread out really thin throughout the chili you you think there's not going to be any flavor to this but it's so pasty and flavorful that oh my god so good okay i'll say possibly possibly i i i will try everything once but as of right now, I'm at a zero percent of chilies that I like in my life. Well, let's just say I made some converts at work. It ha okay. It's chili in name only. It's chili in, in name only. It is, okay. It is. It is more of a. It's got. It's got. Uh, it's got Greek flavors in it. You know. It's got. Uh, I do like Greek nut, food. Very nutmeg much. and and cinnamon and um, cumin. And uh, so it's got like these war cumin is in regular chili too, but it doesn't have that Spanish Texas feel. It has a, like Greek restaurant feel, which is appropriate because that's where it originally. Well, I do like Greek food, so I'd be open to. I like. I'm. I'm a person. I will try everything once because I don't know if I like something until I try it. So you know, I, I I'm definitely not a person that's like I'm not going to eat this because of. So. so hope you you don't know if you don't like murder i mean we're talking food here can i oh, eat okay, murder okay. okay just with food okay never mind so how was your week hope it's actually good i'm in high republic hell because the fallen star was a very painful book but i really really enjoyed it um but it hurt me very deeply and i had to go do emergency therapy over on with our friend charles from gold squadron gaze he welcomed me back onto his show with our buddy chris um not you other chris and we had emergency therapy so thank you charles for having me back on your show again and i can't wait to talk with you guys again 
Um, and we might be getting some snow on Sunday here in Atlanta. So wishful thinking, we might get We've snow. Got, we're, we're we're bitter cold with a layer of snow on everything. Just just a couple inches. Just uh just but everything's white and it's so cold that it's just staying. You know, it's just a nice flat. We're probably gonna have a nice Georgia snow where it snows on Sunday and it's gone by Monday. Nice yeah. Georgia snow. Then that's oh, how that's I kind of so like. Lately. But that's how I like snow, because like the one time I went up to Buffalo for like a weekend, and I was like, yay, snow. And like two days later, I was like, it's still here. <laughs> that's 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 an extreme. <laughs> Buffalo Buffalo was just like the other day, like telling like just putting up ads, the city of Buffalo, like fifteen dollars an hour, all the food you can eat and other free sports related bonuses. If you come down and help shovel out the stadium today. <laughs> Yeah, like I am. I am. Yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo's a little extreme, but that's how I like it. I like five, six feet of snow. Like, dig yourself a snow fort, you know. <laughs> I am. I am very much used to Georgia snow, where I'm just like, it snowed, and like it's gone the next day, and you're like, that yeah, was nice. <laughs> Go back to stuff. <laughs> we, we had we had we had planks of wood at, at, and when when I was growing up, just stacked out in the barn. For when the snow piled up, you could just dig a deep hole, and then we'd put the planks over the hole and cover them with snow and have an underground snow fort. Oh, cool. Yeah. Go down in there with our Coleman lanterns because it was pitch black. <laughs> dig tunnels. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, yeah, fingers crossed. We get snow this weekend. Fingers crossed. Vote snow for Atlanta. <laughs> well, you ready to get into the sin? Yes, I am. What do you think about this episode? I liked it. Um, I think this one was. Um, it wasn't as good as the first two episodes, but it's it's the first two episodes were like boom, here we are, and stuff. You're gonna need to 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 serve the story though so this one is a little more like it's not like as simple and elegant of a story it's got it's it's building up stuff for the future and you know i notice this more of course the second time through but uh and every time i watch it it's because it's such a short season i always think i thought this happened much later <laughs> I yeah thought this happened another episode or two but it's just because I mean, we're on episode three, we're, so we're almost halfway through season one right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but uh, I liked it. I, um, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to pale a little bit next to my favorite episode. So, so yeah. far. So it didn't supplant my favorite episode. I'm kind of but it's I like good. It. I like this episode. I like it fine. Um, I remember the very first time I watched it. I didn't like that it was predictable, but like in hindsight, I, I'm really fine with that now. Um, I because you know they had to move the story and it allowed it's the story to up. keep going yeah. forward. It's all and that's pretty much what yeah. it is. Like the first three episodes almost feels like a three act movie before you move into the. You know, remember how Bad Batch started with like an hour and a half movie before it went into the series? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of what the first three episodes of Mandalorian feels like to me, where the first three episodes are could be put together in a movie. And then have the rest of the series follow. So it just it feels like a natural ending. It feels like the third act of a movie, um, and it and it's how the story should go. So like I, I feel the same way. I like the episode. It's fine. It's not my favorite. 
and which is probably the minority because I hear so many people say that this is like their favorite episode, and I can see I can see why people well, there's, like it. There's some things in here that I like a lot too. There's a yeah, lot of yeah. stuff that you know that that I like a lot, but as yeah. as a whole, it's not as like the first two episodes were elegant, you know. Yeah, they were. They but they were but they were coming out and they kind of had to be, you know. And they were coming out like sort of like after in the in the backwash of uh, Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, they just they they just hammered it home. This is this this is the episode where they go, okay, we have to. <laughs> this is a series. We have to <laughs> start. We we have to start building, building where everything's going. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I like it fine. <laughs> Again, not my favorite, so. All right. You ready? Spoiler, I don't think there's an episode of The Mandalorian I haven't liked yet. I Definitely, there's some I like better than others, but I haven't had one that I was just like, wow, that was a clunker. Clunkeroony. I, I sort of feel that way. There's an episode in season two I sort of feel that way about. If there is one for me, it's going to probably be in season two yeah because i i feel very hit and miss about some of those seasons of season two but i I feel like season one is very solid from what i remember i believe the next one we see was one that i thought was going to be a clunker when i first started watching it the first time and then was like oh no i actually really like this episode so i'll have to see how i feel if i'm right and if (laughs) I know, I part of me, I'm, I'm sitting here like trying to remember. I'm like, what happened? I I am mixed on uh, the cha- the <laughs> the chapter five um, because on one hand I'm just like, yeah, Finnick Shan, and then I was like, oh no, it's the shitty Ezra Bridger character. I forgot about you. <laughs> the char- the really shitty character in in season in episode five reminds me so much of Ezra Bridger in a lot. Wish Wish dot com. Brewster was a piece of shit. <laughs> What's his name? Like Toro Callahan, Callahan or something. I don't know why he reminds me of I don't know. I don't. I I'm bad with names. And he also reminds me of of um uh Kaz too in a lot of ways too. And I'm like poor Kaz and Ezra because this piece of shit should not be linked to YouTube, but he does. Anyway, you ready to get into this? You should write some Kaz and Ezra slash fiction just so you can come up with the f- term Kazra if somebody hasn't already. Uh Kazra Z Bridger. Anyway, chapter three of the sin is the third episode. I'm moving on from that. <laughs> Thank you. Chapter three of the sin is the third episode of The Mandalorian. It aired on November twenty second, twenty nineteen. It was written by John Favreau and directed by Deborah Chow. And fun fact Deborah Chow is the showrunner for the upcoming Kenobi show. So if this is your jam, get ready for Kenobi. Some extra information for you. Playing the role of Paz Vizsla, which was the heavy, the heavy artillery um, Mandalorian guy. Um, it, uh, Paz Vizsla was played by Tate Fletcher, but he was voiced by John Favreau. And that's a fun Easter egg because John Favreau was the voice of pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars, so he got to voice both uh-huh. Vizsla characters. This episode was filmed concurrently with Episode One since it used much of the same set pieces and cast members. 
there were several inspirations for the planet of Navarro. They took inspiration from the hard packed lava flows of Hawaii, the ruins of Pompeii, the colorful, the colorful, num, 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 the colorful marketplaces of Morocco, and also from Batu Marketplace and Galaxy's Edge, which pulled from Middle Eastern influences. The Gatlin gun used by Paz Vizsla was a nod to the M56 smart gun from James Cameron's film Aliens. Dr. Pershing's costume is pulled from two prior Star Wars inspirations. The patch on his shoulder resembles the emblem seen on Kamino for clone soldiers and Attack of the Clones, and the uniform itself resembles the scientist uniform worn by Galen Erso in Rogue One. And finally, yes, the, Canto the Camtono case is the ice cream maker that Wilrow Hood is running with in The Empire Strikes Back. It is now canon. <laughs> I mean, it was always canon, but now it's not an ice cream maker anymore. It's actually like a thing, the Camtono case. Yeah, they sort of deprived it of its identity. Well, we it still, of its identity. We can still have the running of the hoods, which is always still so much fun. I always love seeing the running of the hoods at Dragon Con, which is just a bunch of If you don't know what that is, it's a group of people just dressed up like Wilrow Hood taking a jog through Dragon Con. Just like jog, jogging a straight line, like holding ice cream makers. It's really fun. You know what's also really fun? Um, Yoda knows many things that are fun. Hi, Yoda! I was talking about you. You're a fun guy. Many things that may not be allowed. <laughs> okay, well, well, I'll just say, giving you a compliment, but you, you can go that route if you want. I was saying that you were fun. You know, Grogu never does that. Grogu never does that. I'm just letting you know, so. You know, Grogu, when you give Grogu a compliment, he'll just be like, Thank you, Miss Hope. And I'm like, oh, you're really sweet. Yeah, he's so sweet. He's so, so, he's so cute. Oh. Look at him. He's a little kiss ass. No, he's a little kiss. He's a little kiss. He's Thank you. He did. He was like, thank you for and I was like, you're welcome, Grogu, you sweet boy. Actually, Yoda, I have a question for you. Oh, a question for Yoda, yes? Yeah, yeah, I, I figured you could help me with this because um, you have, you know, some knowledge about, you know, your species and stuff like that. Yeah. Did, uh, not did, a Grogu question, though, right? Um... Right? Um... Uh, what would you like for your birthday, Yoda? Not Grogu. No, it's it 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 is a Grogu question. Ask a question. Sorry. Just ask a question. Well, I was just over gonna... with it, kid. Okay, okay, okay. Well, didn't officially adopted Grogu this episode, and what kind of present should we give Grogu for his Gotcha Day? Oh, Yoda Gotcha present. Mm. Yes, bang zoom. Put, put right that the moon of Endor. Put that middle finger away. That is not an appropriate present for a baby. When when three fingers have middle finger means even more. Yes. Oh, I'm. Yoda I'm, is doing it as loud as he can. I'm so sorry, Quoku. 
It's okay, he's just a mean man. Yoda has this for a present. Mm, here, look, he'll unwrap it for you. Oh. No, 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 hide the child. Hide Yoda, where's the... Chris, where's the spray bottle? Where's my spray bottle? I got it. Call Yoda Santa Claus. Yes. Get your dick out of the box. <sighs> Who do you think you are, Justin Timberlake? Get your dick out of the box. It's just a baby. We need a gut. I'm glad yeah. these are short seasons. We're gonna. Oof, boy. We gotta keep these two separated, Chris. I'm, I'm afraid by the time we get to like episode eight, like one of them's gonna be dead. <laughs> It'll probably be, be Grogu. <laughs> Maybe that's why there's so few of them in the galaxy. They just will like eat each other if they're they left alone together. They Highlander each other. Yeah. <laughs> There can only be one! Quickening. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Anyway. We gotta keep an eye on those two. Alright, act one? Oh, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've only done 303 episodes of this, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I can stop and start with act three if you want. We can work back for a change of pace. But... No, I'm not. No, we're not that bored yet, are we? I mean, someday maybe. <laughs> All right. Act one. So we open, and Din is flying back to Navarro, and he's all just like, oh my god, I have a child now, but I have to give the child to the bad guys, and I don't know what to do with my life. And the whole time, Grogu is like, I'm going to get that emotional support ball that's on top of the thing. And Grogu, like, crawls out of the chair. And he comes over and he tries to steal the ball. And then it's like, no, just, I don't want to let you go. Just sit back in your chair. Doing all this, Grief Cargo calls up. And Grief Cargo is like, hey, Mando, good job getting the kid. Take it to Werner Herzog, please. And Dan's like, okay. So he has to take uh, Grogu directly back to the client. But during all this, Grogu gets the ball, and he's all just like, this is my emotional support ball. And Jin's like, don't touch that, I need that to drive. And he's like, but Dad, this is going to carry our emotional weight for two seasons, and this is going to make us cry in season two. And Jin's like, I'm already crying, son, it's fine. So they land the Gyno 4 on Navarro. I remember that from last week. The Gyno 4 on <laughs> Navarro. If you want to know why the Razor Crest is called the Gyno 4, listen to last week's episode. And for some reason, Din parades Grogu through the streets of Navarro. Just the case open for everybody to see him instead of, you know, closing it and just letting it hover. But, you know, We've established that Den is a himbo and not the smartest man. So, you know, you do you. So they get to Werner Herzog. Oh my god, I have to remember my Werner Herzog impression. Here we go. He takes the uh, Grogu to Werner Herzog, and Werner Herzog is like, yes, the Oh, that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> I meant to go back and listen to this, but I forgot. Um, oh, the child. Look at the child. Thank you for bringing the child to me. This means a lot to me. Would you like to see your reward? And the whole time, like, Dr. Pershing is like, This child is amazing. Thank you for bringing the baby. I'm going to go do nerd stuff with your child. And Dan's like, Please don't 
do nerd stuff with my child. What what are you guys going to do with this? And they're like, nothing. And Jen is like, by the way, Renner Herzog, thanks for sending like all the bounty hunters after me to kill me. That was great. And Werner Herzog was like, you're welcome. I just needed to make sure that the asset was brought back to me. I'm sure you understand as your profession can get messy and dangerous. And he's like, here is your ice cream case of Beskar. And Jen's like, oh my god. It's an entire case of Beskar. Holy shit. This is like everything to me. You know, before, like, two days ago, before I became a father, this would mean the world to me. And then he hears his kid crying, and he looks over, and Gregor's like, Daddy, no! And he gets rolled into the next room, and he's just like, Shit, I'm a fucking dad now. (laughs) Damn it! And Herzog is like, You need to forget about everything you saw here, and go now. Thank you for bringing me the asset. Jen's like, okay, and he takes his best car and he leaves. What'd you think of Act One? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same, had the same note about like, episode. how stupid do you have to be to be like walking through town? Thank as you. A man, as a Mandalorian, drawing attention to yourself in your best car with like, look at this baby that's top secret that nobody wants anybody to know anything about. That I just, you know, it's. What a himbo, because, like, it's like, close the baby carriage, at least. Nobody it, has to I, know it's I, a baby. I, I had two two thoughts on that. That One, either it was just an artistic decision because it looked cooler, you know, to have him walk it. It's more of an iconic, and everybody wants everybody want to see Baby Yoda by that time. Or two, he's just, he, he's just being a, he's just parading his... He's just daring people, you know. He's just like, yeah, what of it, I, you know? I, I go for G- give me an excuse to scoop up this baby and run away. <laughs> I, I go for choice three that Dim Jaren is just a himbo. Yeah, that he's just kind of dumb. But I don't know if they thought that when they were writing this and were just like, I, I, oh shit, I forgot to close it, you know? <laughs> he is though. Like, I thought I closed it. I thought I closed it. We're with like all the three like like Bo-Katan and like her two pals like like having a strategic thing and he's like I'll draw their fire and just sprints into blaster fire so what, so what you're saying is if 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 I ever have to fight Din Djarin I should try the old like you, you like your flies unzipped or your shoelaces untied with him or, or even just get a mirror and make like a dot on the wall and he'd just be like there's a dot the dot's on the Chuss. wall Toss a jingly ball across the floor and <gasps> a ball. <laughs> He's like, I can give that to my son. Fetch I... that, fetch it, fetch it. By the way, I love Dinjarin. I love him so much. And part of the reason I love him is he's kind of an idiot. He's sort he of kind of like dumb... the he's kind of like the werewolves in what we do in the shadows, maybe. I well, I see him a little bit closer to Kronk from Emperor's New Groove, or maybe like Launchpad from Ducktales, but with like a little bit of extras, like he like a little extra smarts, <laughs> like he's that kind of himbo in my brain, and that makes him a sweet <coughs> boy. Um, my only other my only other note is, boy, great puppetry or puppetry with CGI enhancement or however they did it, but like. Grogu's stank eye that he gives the 
stormtroopers is priceless. <laughs> and, and this, you can see, and you can tell that Din saw him do do that too. But he saw the stormtroopers, and he was just like, and you, and that's just, and and now knowing like his more of his backstory, you know, knowing just the sketches of his backstory, you 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 start thinking out ah, he's probably had some bad experience with some storm you know stormtroopers at certain at one point or another or more <laughs> probably more but yeah, that's all i really had for for part one it was it's all it was such a basic laying out of of where it's going you know it always surprised me that like the title comes up like eight minutes in because it's like, just here's your ice cream cone of like best card and like things. And it's just like, da -da, yeah. <laughs> and I always forget about that. It kind of actually scared me a little bit every every single time. I'm like, oh, it's here. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like when Judas got his gold, you know? Here you go, Judas. And that was when it was like, deal, deal was sealed, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. Um, for me, this is just a really funny thing because I was on our J guys Twitter and I was typing something and my phone keeps autocorrecting the words Din Djarin into Dennis. <laughs> I'll just to... call him Dennis. Let's just call him Dennis from now on. Dennis. <laughs> it has nothing Den to Dennis do. from Mandalore. <laughs> nothing to do with the episode. I just wanted to share that anecdote that every time I tried to type Din Djarin on my phone, it just goes Dennis? <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> but anyway, to actual... No, seriously, Dennis. I mean, when you know him, that's what he wants you to call him. Dennis. Oh, what was the uh, name that... Uh, oh, I had to go back to listen to it, but our, our buddy Jonna, um, her and her co-podcaster when they were covering the Mandalorian, they had the best name for Dan. And oh, I need to go back to listen to it because it was just so perfect for him um, to actually talk about the actual episode. Um, I love stories that give very insignificant items emotional weight. Because that damn little ball, the knob of the little handle, that thing has so many feelings, especially after like finishing season two and knowing what that ball means and what it represents. So just seeing that ball here in this episode and knowing that this very small insignificant item means so much. That's, I just, I love when media does that. When they can just like take something like very ordinary, like a spoon or a pencil or like a spool of thread. Um, Charles will get that one. Um, or sled. Or slut, yeah, um, and gives it a ton of significance. Um, I just I love when media does that. Um, One of its jobs. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like a little like detail, but like when yeah, they're walking no. through. No, no. Uh, sorry, I'm moving on to my next point. Um, like when they're walking through the town, I just like the little detail that every time something happens, like Grogu just like looks up at Den, and then like he's constantly looking at Den. And like, like, where are we going? Because like, he clearly trusts this person. And like, when they get to the Empire, like, he's constantly like looking at Den. Like, why are we here? <laughs> and well, he's also he's also got the Force, so he's probably like feeling himself getting. He's probably thinking like, we're actually getting closer to the creepy place. We're actually cl getting closer to. And like, the only thing I think that could really improve your Warner Herzog. Uh, 
um, performance, and I don't suggest you do it. Maybe I'll try to figure out how to do it via special effects. Mm-hmm. But like, if but if you were doing this like in a live setting or someplace where you could like you know um, Gallagher lay down some plastic, you know, so you don't ruin stuff. But just have a glass of water there so you could drool and gurgle while you're talking too. <laughs> Because, I mean, he's just practically drooling whenever he talks. But anyway, that's that's just a side note. I, 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 I know that this time around was not as good. My episode one was much better. Um, no, it's and- pretty good. It's pretty good because Werner Herzog has, like, kind of a high voice. So it's, yeah, it's one of the better, it's one of the better. It's, it's not as much Werner Herzog as it is Werner Herzog in his character in this and so yeah oh well thank you i still think my episode one was better um okay well whatever it'll all come out in the when this gets released yeah (laughs) um and my big note that i i have for this act is i like the crossroads of the best scar and the child because we talked about how in episode one, how Din has been trying to live up to being a Mandalorian this entire time. And he is finally given something to like of, of great significance to his people that means a shit ton to him. And if it was any other situation, like that would have just made everything worth it to be like able to take this back to his covert to be like, look, I, I brought this back. This is a moment of honor. But he picks it up, and then he hears Grogu call, and he looks over, and there's his kid. And I just, I love that moment because he's given everything he's always wanted, but now he's at this crossroads because he has this other choice, this other thing that he wants. And his attention is pulled away from his past to look at his future. And he figures out a way to have the best of both. And he even tries, he tries to live with this decision of I'm going to let this kid go. I get my new armor. I'm going to live with this choice because I am a Mandalorian. That's what I do. I'm a bounty hunter and he can't live with it. And he figures out a way to get both worlds. uh, Changeling guilt. (laughs) Yeah. And and at the, but at the same time. Or foundling guilt. Foundling guilt. Yeah. 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 I was like, changeling. I have a pony. (laughs) I'm sorry, I have my little buddy on my brain because I found this TikTok of Ezra and Thrawn, and it's just Ezra going, and Twilight Sparkle was the main character because she represents friendship, and Thrawn just goes, please, I just want to go home, I miss my family, and Ezra's like, I'm not done, and then Rainbow Dash is the sweaty one. <laughs> so I very much have my little pony on the brain. What were you saying? Foundling guilt? Yeah, he's got has foundling guilt. Yeah. So I, I, I really like that that moment of the crossroads of the best garden child. Like that's a very significant moment. It's one of my favorites. So but that's all I have for act one. Did you have anything else? No, I'm ready for act two. I have more notes in act two. <laughs> Me too. This was kind of a weird one. Like act two just kind of starts and then it doesn't. It just kind of rolls into act three. So I yeah. just split it when Den started breaking into the house. <laughs> I was like, that's a good place to break it, even though there's still 15 minutes left of the episode, but 15 minutes of pew-pew-pews. Act two. Uh, 
so Din is just, takes the Beskar back to the armor, and he's just like, Hi, Mom! I brought back Beskar! And she's like, uh-huh. And then, like, this dude, what what was his name? Paz, Paz Vizsla? Hold on. Yeah, Paz Vizsla. This big guy named Paz Vizsla comes in, and he's like, Where'd you get that shit? And Din's like, I had a job, and I worked for it, Paz. And he's like, oh, okay, well, you're not a real Mandalorian. He's like, tell that to my face. Oh, wait, I've never taken off my helmet before, Paz. I am a Mandalorian. And Paz is like, well, I'm, I have the last name of Vizsla. And pretty much they have this whole pissing contest while the armor just sits there and has no fucks to give as she's, like, respectfully laying out the Beskar while the two children yell at each other. And finally, knives get pulled and they're like, I'm gonna cut you! And he's like, I'm gonna cut you! The armor is like, children, sit down and fucking shut up! And they're like, okay, mom, sorry, sorry, sorry. And the, and the, and the armor is like, look, how did your armor get broken? And Den's like, I fought a mud horn. I'll buy my, no, I didn't fight it by myself. She's like, all right, well, then I'll make your signet the mud horn. And Din's like, I can't. I can't take a signet. My kid helped me defeat it. I mean my enemy. I didn't adopt a child by accident. And the armor is like, mm, don't believe you, but okay. So she's like, look, Den, I'll tell you what. I will make you more armor and some whistling birds because you gotta have your Iron Man moment. This is a John Favreau show. And Den's like, yeah, it is a John Favreau show. So we have to have at least one whole Iron Man moment at some point. And a That's Disney right. show. And a Disney show. So we just gotta click all those boxes. So she's like, all right, I'll make you some more armor and then we'll save the rest for the foundlings. So... As she's melting down the armor, Din is watching, and he starts having flashbacks, and he's like, I remember the day. The day the Separatists came with their droids shooting at me and my parents, and they died, and then I was abandoned. And then he snaps out of his flashback, and he was like, all right, all right. And she's like, cool. Well, if you're okay, then here's new armor. So Din suits up, and he kicks in the door to the cantina going, what up, fuckers? And he's all a shiny boy now. And everyone in Grief, Grief is sitting there with all the bounty hunters and they're all like, damn, Din. He's like, I know, I'm making my way downtown. Faces pass, walking fast, and I'm homebound because I have new fancy armor. And Grief is like, see this, everybody? This is what success looks like, because you all fucking suck at your jobs. Come on over here, Mando. Everybody here hates you. Every single one of them hate you. And Mando's like, that's really nice. Why did you send everybody to kill me? And Grief's like, well, that's just kind of part of the job, dude. You know that. And like that guy number five in the corner got there, you'd be trying to kill him too. And Den's like, that's legit. Anyway, I need to forget that I accidentally adopted a child. Can I have a new job, please? So Grief is just like, well, here's a bunch of jobs here. And here's, here's a Mon Calamari. You want to go for him? And Den's like, sure. And he takes the job and he stands up. He starts to walk away. And then he stops. He turns back to Grief and he's like, what is the Empire going to do to my son? And Grief's like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And he's like, what is the Empire going to do to my baby? And 
grief like I didn't ask. <laughs> We're not supposed to ask. Why don't you go off and have a good time chasing some fish man? Dib's like, fine. He goes back to the gyno four and gets up on the, the, the inside the ship and all up in that uterus. And he sits down at the uterus helm and he's just like, oh, okay, I gotta get out of here. And he starts turning on his ship. Don't take that out of context because it's a uterus. It turns turning on the ship. And he reaches over and the emotional support ball knob thing is still not there. And he realizes, fuck, I'm a father now. And he shuts down all the shit. And he runs back in the town going, I need my baby boy. And he runs back to the Empire place. And he's like, I'm on a kick ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of bubble gum. And he finds the baby crib in the trash can. And he feels a righteous fury rise up in his soul. And he's like, oh, Himbo is about to become Terminator Bimbo. It's on now. <laughs> it failed at the end. What did you think of Act 2? Terminimbo. There you go. Thank you for saying it for me. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Timbo, Tim, 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 Tim Benator. It's funny that leads right to my notes because this has a reappearance of those Terminator-like drone droids from Clone Wars. Just a brief flash of them. Yeah, the um, uh, those are the B. I think the B two battle droids, the super armor battle droids. Yeah, and the ship in the sky is actually the Cylon-inspired ship from the Saul Guerrera Onderon arc. Um, the Hope has dumb knowledge <laughs> of dumb things. Oh, I, th- I found it very interesting that he calls Grogu his enemy. Because the Jedi are their enemy, so he's just assuming Grogu's a Jedi? No, I think that's um, the enemy was he was the asset. He wasn't supposed to be an ally. So any like I I took that as not as he thinks that he's a Jedi. I took that as like he was the target. And normally in tar and bounty hunting, he'd be killing Grogu, but he was capturing him. So I think it was like, you know, that's how I always took it was. And also, I think he's just trying to be like, I'm not a dad. <laughs> Well, it ain't working. It ain't working. No, no. Um, the soft boy has too many feelings. Do you think that was Embo? Ooh, ooh. That Griff was yelling at at the beginning. He's got the round hat, and mm. you know he could oh, be alive. He could very well be alive interpretation of Embo. I don't know how long um, Embo's species lives for. Hold on, Hope's going to. Maybe. I, I'm not going to say... Embo's hat's a little bigger, but then again, all the cartoon stuff is more stylized. Yeah. So, you know, it ends up that when when they, they, they tone it down for, you know, like Cad Bane's hat's going to be a little smaller if they ever have Cad Bane in real, you know, in real makeup and, and stuff. But How long do you guys live for? Yeah, I didn't find anything of anybody saying that that was Embo or anything, but it looked kind of like Embo to me. I could see that. Uh, I don't want to know how... I don't give a fuck how tall they are. I want to know how long they live. 
I don't know. I don't actually know, to be honest. Yeah. Absolutely honest with you. Yeah. And, uh, and another thing that is happening since, since Disney took over is, uh, we're really, um, they're, they're leaning into the spice, you know, starting with Solo and like uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett actually had spice use in it as, in a ceremonial way. And Clone now Wars. this has, Griff just go, telling him, you know, just just go do some spice, dude. <laughs> yeah, like Clone Wars, uh, the Marta sisters dump their spice. To, to go back to your original yep. point, there is a uh, Kyuzo, which is in both species in this episode. So that might have been him. Uh, yeah, maybe. Embo, we can't Embo is a favorite, say no. You know, he was a favorite from that time period. Yeah, we're not going to say no. But yeah, leaning into the spice. But that's all I really got in in, uh, in this part. It was uh, his scuffle was pretty pretty amusing, just because it was just sort of the like. It's a pissing contest. We got, we got to do this, brother. You know. What did you think of seeing these scenes, these early scenes? Knowing that Din's pretty much in a cult, <laughs> like because it kind of changes rewatching the show a little bit. Like now that we know, like in season two, we meet Bo Katan, she's like, "Oh, you're one of those guys." Yeah, helmet you know? off, you know. Yeah. How, yeah, how does that no, change like, for you? I like it, well, it changed me well now because I I know that they're more of a cult like. I was just thinking rather they still I mean technically they'd still be a cult but I it in the early first viewing of this I was just sort of assuming maybe that that it seemed like they were just the last that were left so that they were you know they were extra extra you know fundamentalist because they were just they were the last yeah, me so too. They, so they had to like they were trying to distill it down to the its purest like bare bones basics. Yeah, most form, and then we find out no, they're not the last one. That so they're you know they're they're more of a a sect. <laughs> of, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the Mandalorians in themselves are sort of a cult anyway. You know, so there's just g- going to be the whole you know spectrum of cult of cultiness. And uh, yeah, Din, Din is in like, he's almost to the level of like the Catholics who flog themselves, you know, till they bleed and stuff like that, you know, not quite. Although, you know, you can argue that putting your armor on and your helmet on and never taking it off is pretty, that that's pretty radical and pr- puts a real, real kink in your daily life. <laughs> Especially, especially showers and sleeping, personal hygiene, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, it's like yeah. weird stuff that monks do and stuff like that. You know, I, I have kind of two thoughts about it. Um, the first one is, at, at first, I was under the opinion that it kind of takes away from these earlier episodes because so much of the like speculation of like what happened, why are they like this? But, like, in hindsight, I actually really like it because it adds a lot to Din's character journey. Because he's starting off as pretty much, you know, to use your example, kind of like a little Catholic boy. And, like, he's moving out into the world and he's, like, kind of, like, learning more about 
his culture outside of his upbringing. So, like, when he meets, like, Bo-Katan and Boba Fett, like, these two, like, very different kinds of Mandos, um, and, and Boba Fett is actually a lot like him. Like, he, you know, I would tentatively argue that Boba was sort of like a foundling, because, like, J- uh, Jango was debatable whether you agree or not in some circles he was a Mandalorian and other circles not so that kind of makes Boba a family like Din and he's very different and then you have Boba uh, Bo-Katan who is the the grade A Mando from start to finish Um, and so I I find that actually a very cool part of Din's character journey as starting as a very sheltered person and starting to expand out to grow into learning other aspects of where he came from it would be really interesting if someone like Sabine showed up to give another perspective. And then the other feeling I have about it, and I will definitely bring this up later, I could see the armor being a very slow burn antagonist. And I, I'm not willing to go full villain, but I could see her being a very slow burn antagonist. Yes. Oh, for sure. And part of the reason why I say that is we find out at the end of season one that the people who rescued Din as a child was Death Watch, the bad guys of the Clone Wars, who in a lot of them became Maldalorians, like the Mandalorians that served Maul. And the armorer's helmet even looks a lot like the Maul helmets in Clone Wars, that they they wore their Mando helmets with little horns on it. And I feel and so like I could see her well, yeah. maybe and, not going full because we already knew that Death Watch, Death Watch were extremists. They were fucking terrorists, right? And they were trying to like pull a coup and throw out Satine and end up getting Satine killed and overthrow her, and they caused a civil war. And so I could see that this sect being based in Death Watch, Vizla pre Vizla being the leader of it, and we have a Vizla here that these guys. While, you know, they're they're kind of in this weird set because something did happen to Mandalore because Bo-Katan's not there and she's like, yeah, fuck, shit happened at Mandalore. She's she's definitely like the head honcho and Din is definitely well-respected and like proving himself as a as a kick-ass Mandalorian. So he's earning their respect, but he's a member of a cult. So when you're a member of a cult, you're not supposed to like as a bounty hunter he's going out there as oppositional to the whole world you know it's just go out get a bounty who's a piece of shit and bring him back get your money help help the mandalorians you know so he he's not mixing with people in a friendly way you know until now but like once he like what well, it's all over once he sees other people like him similar to him living there because when you're in the cult you're you're not supposed to be able to live any other way and all of a sudden he's seeing people similar to him that are just living their lives just fine and they're like yeah we haven't been struck down by mandalore lightning yet you know and uh they're they're doing their thing and they seem to be they could take their goddamn helmets off so it's that's very dangerous to a person like the armor, you know, so I could see her being, you know, you know, just it would it, it wouldn't take much with his character development for her to turn completely on him, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. especially because we know like the like the covert gets pretty much destroyed at the end of the season. So she's the only one left. 
And so, like, he's kind of like the last hope for her to hold on to power. Yeah. And I, I, I don't, I don't think we see her in season two, if I remember correctly. Um, and so I would love to see what happens if she would show up in season three. And he's like, why did you fucking lie to me my entire life? <laughs> like, why? There are other Mandalorians. You lied to me my entire life. And yeah, like, why did you do this? And um, oh, she'll just say they aren't real Mandalorians. Yeah. But that's going to cause like a crisis of dead. Oh, and yeah. I think that's oh, going to yeah. be so interesting so i i actually really enjoy going back and re-watching these early episodes knowing din's journey and like where he ends up at the end of season two of like taking off his helmet so his kid can see his face and like all that um it's such Just a good like darth vader yeah pretty much um uh, I, I, I have a note here like it kind of makes me wonder how many people in Den's little Mando coven are like him and has been brainwashed. But but the Vizsla character is the interesting <laughs> Except for the Vizsla. The Vizsla character is very interesting because we know the history of pre-Vizsla and like his death watch roots. And he feels like he's older because like when he talks to Den, he was like, that Beskar's from the Great Purge, and he talks like he was there. And, he, and he's like, I don't want that Beskar because it has Imperial markings on it. And it feels like Vizsla is, you know, Vizsla is a name. It's it's, uh, it's a name that carries weight in Mandalore. And so he seems like he is a pure-blooded Mando, especially with a name like Vizsla, looking down on Din, who is a foundling. And, like, as we said, Din's kind of becoming a favorite. I could yeah. see him being, well, like, kind I, of threatened. I mean, in the back of Din's mind, and maybe not even in the back of Din's mind, he was probably thinking, this guy's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I have to pull my knife sure. on him, even though I don't want to, but that's, like, what's expected about me. <laughs> um, the only other note I have, it's half a silly note, but also half of a character note. Rest in peace, old Den armor. I We barely had you, and I love you. I miss Den's old armor. I love his old armor. I miss you already. But it's also kind of a nice tie-in that we were talking about this in episode one about how Den's character journey is about growing into his new armor. And when he walks into the cantina wearing his new armor for the first time, he looks uncomfortable. Like he doesn't well, quite know how to move. When, when you're a talented actor like him and you can't show your face, you got to have something, you know, you got to have something yeah. to work with. So have it, you know, working into your armor gives you something that, he probably had a timeline to be like, how worked am I into my armor? I'm 75%. Okay, I'll do 75%. You know, it's yeah, cause like working it walked, out in the mirror and stuff. But yeah. It, it, when he yeah, walked it in the leather armor, like he looked like he had been wearing it for a long yeah. time. He looked at home in it. Like he felt like he's been wearing that. Yeah. When he walks into the cantina, Pedro Pascal plays him very stiff. Like he's quite not sure how to walk in it yet. And I like that because it really fits in his character journey of he's not quite sure how to be a Mandalorian yet. So now he has this extra new fancy armor and, and he it's, doesn't really know how to it's, move. It's heavier too, you know, it's more metal on him. And it's so it's the weight of the Mando. It's the weight. Yes, it is. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was working towards it, but you beat me to it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do like that character stuff. But that's all I have for Act 3. All right. Or act two, I should say. We're done with the episode. Nothing else. All right. Bye, everybody. Happens. Bye. Nothing else of importance happens. <laughs> no, I'm, that's all I have for act two. I'm ready for act three. Me too. All right. Ready for act three, the 15 minute long act? I'm ready. 
<clears throat> Put on my lip gloss. Gotta make sure we look pretty to kill people. Mm. All right, act three. So Din breaks into the Empire Club. He's all like, yeah. And he's all like, where's my baby? And he's like, pew pew, stormtrooper. Pew pew, you're dead. Blow up the swarm, I'll find my baby. And he's walking through, he's killing people, and he's being really, really cool until he finds Dr. Pershing. And he's like, where's my baby? <laughs> and Dr. Pershing is like, whoa, oh, oh, don't hurt this kid. Please don't hurt this child. He's just a baby. Don't hurt this child. And Den's like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm here. Why are you protecting the baby? And he's like, because he's a baby. Like, look at him. He's so cute. Dad's like, I know he's cute. And Dr. Pershing's like, I know, right? Like, he's so cute. And Dad's like, yeah, give me my baby. <laughs> and, and he walks over and he's like, and Grogu's out cold on the table. And he's like, what, what did you do to my son? What did you do to him? And Dr. Pershing's like, look, dude, if it wasn't for me, Grogu would already be dead. I saved the franchise. It was all me. We're all gonna get royalty checks because of me. And Den's like, wow, thanks, dude. Anyway, I'm just gonna take this now. And he takes his baby and he's like, I'm gonna spare your life. Cause more than likely you're gonna be a very, very important character in the long run. At least that's what Bad Batch is telling us. And Dr. Pershing's like, oh yeah, we should probably pay more attention to Bad Batch. It does seem like I'm gonna be a very important character. Okay, bye-bye. And so Den gets his son and it's time to get the heckin' heck out of Dodge. Dodge being Navarro. So Mando starts fighting his way through the more stormtroopers, and he's all like, pew pew And like the only time in the entire franchise, or at least in this entire series, his flamethrower actually kills one whole person. His flamethrower is useless for the next two seasons and doesn't do anything for the rest through season two. One point for the flamethrower. Enjoy it now. And it's one called, point... From now on, it's called, it's just called the keep your distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I was thinking about that. Like, it, it didn't work on the mudhorn. It didn't work on the blurgs. I remember he tries it on Kara and she just like throws him to the ground. Like it just doesn't work at all for like the rest of the show. Like this is the one time his flamethrower is actually useful. And even at one point, Den's walking through a room and he gets surrounded by stormtroopers and they're all like, stop right there, asshole. And he's like, careful, I'm Tony Stark. And they're like, who the fuck is Tony Stark? And then like little Iron Man thing just come like pew, 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 pew out of his armor and takes out all the stormtroopers. He's like, I am Iron Man. Snap. And then half the world was gone. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so he gets out of there with Grogu after killing pretty much everybody. And he's like, I got you, son. I got you. But as he's running away, slowly in the cantina, one by one, all their tracking fobs of the bounty hunters go off. Just that's what tracking fobs sound like now. It's not like birds. And Grief Cargo sees that. He's just like, damn it, Mando, now I have to kill you. Fuck. And all the bounty hunters start coming out. And they start coming out to the square and they start surrounding Din. And Din's like, well, fuck me, I should have ran. And Grief comes over and he's like, you know what, Mando? We can do this the hard way or the bounty hunter way. And Den is like, I don't 
which one's which? He's like, just put the kid on the speeder den. It's it's okay, you sweet boy. Just put put your baby down, and we'll let you live, probably. And Den's like, I I don't I don't like those terms. So then he shoots a guy, and then everyone just pew pewing, and Den even gets his disintegrate disintegrating rifle out, so he's not pew pewing. He's like, <laughs> people, Ow, my throat. And Den is completely outnumbered. And it's looking bad, and he's hovering over his child, trying to protect him. And he looks down at his kid, and Grogu looks up at him, believing in him in his final moments that they're together. And it's a really sweet moment, and Hope almost cried. And then a, a rocket launcher comes shooting across the sky and blows up a person. And Den's like, Whoa, that's cool. Wait a second. And all the Mandalorians come running out of hiding and flying through the air on their jet plaques. And they're all, they all start pew-pewing. And they're all like, we're here, fuckers! We're gonna kill you now! And Din's like, awesome! And Paz Vizsla, or what was, what was his name? Yeah, Paz, I guess. I don't remember now. Vizsla comes over. He's like, sup, man? Like my gun? And he's like, yeah, I do. Like your jetpack, too. And he's like, yeah, this is the way. And they start shooting everybody like, yeah! <laughs> and so Jen's like, okay, I'm going to take my child and go. Thanks, bro. This is the way. Bye-bye. And he runs to the ship. So he's like sprinting with his baby like a football. And he, he gets on the ship, but Grief Cargo's waiting for him. And Grief's like, you shouldn't have been a dumb shit, Mando. And Den is like, joke's on you. I'm always a dumb shit. And he shoots Grief. <laughs> I got myself, sorry, I got myself, I got myself. He shoots Grief right in the best scar. Because Grief has best scar on his chest. But it's enough to knock him out the, off the ship. And then takes the Gyno 4, he flies away, and Grief is like, Ouch, my best car, but I'm still alive for the next two seasons, it's fine! And we get a little Rocket Man salute, because Vizsla flies up, and he's all just like, Hey, I'm Rocket Man! And Den's like, I want your jetpack, bro. And he flies away. And as they're flying, Grogu comes over, and he's like, Daddy, are we a real family now? He's like, yes, we are, honey. Here's your emotional support ball. Hold on to that. Also, I'm giving a very small piece of metal to a child. Don't swallow it, please. I don't want to have to try to find that in your poop later. The he end. Passed, he passed the ball, yeah. <laughs> Woo, what do you think of Act 3? Um, could this be... I know we've seen mass killing before in Star Wars. We've seen planets blow up. But could this be the most violent Star Wars to date at this point? Um, I would we see uh, people shot in the back. And set I mean, on fire. Set, cook, not set on, just set on fire. Cooked in their armor. Then they fall over and you hear them sizzling inside like a steak. Yeah. Um, the stormtrooper armor. I would almost argue the Battle of Geonosis with in Clone Wars, where you had like clones hanging out of like ships on fire, like that had a lot of mass killing, but it was also different. This was more gruesome, though. This was more yeah. like hand to hand. I don't mean just like how much how much carnage got, but just the way the carnage was portrayed. And this also had music that was going. Yeah, because also with with the clones, they're fighting battle droids, so it's not it's only one side of living creatures. This is two sides of living yeah, creatures. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and people going, I 
<laughs> so he died. I love the I love the sound of the disintegration rifle. I yeah. love that. Sound. I love how like, the it's, disintegration it's rifle is is like. I mean, it kills people like a blaster, but it has the. It's like a machete, really. It has the added. A, a machete can chop somebody's head in half, but at the same time, a machete also acts as just an agent of horror and terror, because for for some reason. Like people say when when in in these fights when somebody gets hit by a blaster and falls down dead, people are like, "Oh, there goes Bob." But when they get <laughs> when they get when they see Bob get disintegrated completely into just a few little dusty like, ashes, like, yeah, that just sort of drift away in the. It's all of a sudden you can see the like existential dread, and they're just like, "Yeah, I'm out of here. I did not know there were going to be disintegrations." no disintegrations i'm going away now and people like run away i i mean it started with the jawas but of course jawas do that anyway but this was uh, it just nope when you pull out the disintegrator people are just like nope done 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 <laughs> they they're like yep get as far away as we can yeah mm -hmm. um once again i don't understand like at first okay like f a fob for for grogu yeah, you know, I don't somebody, understand how the tracking fob somebody clip, all. clip clipped his, a tracker to him, you know, to his little robe or something, or 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 injected a little, you know, uh, a little uh, little tracker into him or something in, into his little widow toe or something. But how how all of a sudden can you just be like, hey, track? Here's this guy. You know, I can't. Maybe the maybe they they do have trackers on them because they're part of the guild, so the guild can keep track of him. But just it's I I I haven't quite wrapped my head around how the that that works is. Yeah, because like what, what, all of a sudden gonna... everybody was just honing in on him. And we and we have that again um, next week too, where a bounty hunter just shows up on the sanctuary planet, and it's just like, oh, I don't. I don't understand how they work yeah. and why they don't keep working. Like, why are these guys still not showing up in season two? <laughs> maybe is it because grief is just like, you know, or maybe because the bounty hunter guild gets stopped by Gideon or like, because grief changes jobs and he like lets it go. It's not ever really fully explained why this is such a danger for like four or five episodes. And then it stops for yeah. the rest of the show. Like there's no explanation for it. Like I do not understand the tracking fobs. Um, See, you got, you got just got a couple more. Uh, um, the Saved by the Beskar was a neat touch because, like, I forgot about the Beskar, but the Mando didn't. So the Mando knew he wasn't killing him. He just shot him in the Beskar, which was nice little touch. Yeah. And I like, and I liked um, when when he snagged the kid. He did the like, you know, the guy, you know, turns away and says something, and then turns around. He's gone. Sort of. A little bat Mandalorian move. Batman, Delorean. Delorean. <laughs> now and I just imagine like, that would bat be Batman in a time machine, right? I there. was just about to say. Now I'm just imagining like Bruce Wayne, like driving around with Doctor Brown, just being like, "We're going to the past to save my parents." There's a <laughs> mashup T-shirt right there, Batman Delorean. That's Back to the Future, Batman, and the Mandalorian all mixed into one. 
I bet it's out there, so I'm gonna Google that right so now. <laughs> Batman Adult. I know it's been out long enough, right? There's got it's gotta be. We could there's no way I thought of that first at this point in time. And um there's some fan art of Batman and a Mandal and a DeLorean. Or Batman DeLorean. Yeah. No, no, just Batman dressed as the Mandalorian. Wow, Chris, cash in now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can have it. You can have it for, for I am your, not you that can, good of an artist. You got a t-shirt shop. I, I'm not that good of an artist to draw that. So. Neither am I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Somebody feel feel free to credit us. <laughs> Give us some royalties for it. Like shoot at me like a $20 check and have fun with it. My uh, my only other note is there's a neat shot at the end where the, his engine is, you know, his engines have a sort of chug to them and they're chugging in tune and in time with the music. And then they just sort of fade out and and then it's in the they just sort of mesh with the music for a little while. That was a really neat touch. That's all I got for part three. Yeah, I mean, I most of my notes for this is like kind of little, I guess. Um, like the entire action set piece from the Imperial compound all the way through the end. It's just a really good action set piece. Like, yeah, it's like 15 minutes long, but it goes by so fast. Like it doesn't feel 15 minutes long, you know? Um, and it just is, it's so nicely paced. Deborah Chow did such a good job with it. I, I really enjoyed the set piece of just the spike. Cause that usually like the pew pew fightings is like my least favorite part, but it's actually like super engaging in this. Well, they did like, they did several different kinds of fighting. There was like, mm -hmm. there's like the exciting, he's just plowing through people. And then there's the like, you know, just like death march to where he's fighting, you know, impossible odds and things just keep getting worse and worse. You know, is droid get droid, driving the ship that you know and then saved by the mandalorians but you know it gets that i mean at that point the action is less like heroic and more just like you know he's he's just pinned down and it's getting worse so it just works through all the di all different kinds of action beats so it never gets boring you never get yeah. just sick of it, like a just like an endless shootout or something and it's all it's all tied in with the story too, so it just moves right along. Yeah. Um, also about the action, I love how ninety percent of the time Din Djarin is a himbo, but when it comes to his kid, he's ten percent badass, and that ten percent badass takes over, and he is just well, murdering people. <laughs> well, that's the thing though. Like when I think himbo, like when I think himbo, I totally think like surfer dude, but like a surfer dude also has incredible a lot of or skateboarders or something can have have insane skills you know of skateboarding or surfing or parkour or or whatever um oh now that we mentioned parkour i just wanted to we were talking i i think on one of the shows we were talking about the book of boba fett and you're like yeah, well, with the live action shows, you know, you know, and you can't do the stuff like parkour and like first episode of Boba Fett had parkour in it. But um, there's a, yeah, that's very true. And like the second episode, I, like, I was the, watching it. I'm like, the well, second episode so has much the, for the parkour warrior, like, theory. 
Yeah, and like the second episode has like the Tuscan warrior like launching herself on a fucking train. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, um, I love that one. But uh yeah, I don't I, I don't know what I uh yeah, but um Oh himbos. I mean Oh yeah, also, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that means they can't yeah, a himbo can be kinda dumb, but there are can also be intensely skilled. Oh yeah, like I think of something like um, DuckTales, like the new run of DuckTales, and Launchpad McQuack is very much a himbo, but he also helps save the world multiple times right, <laughs> because right. he has a specific skill set. Um, uh, I, I mentioned this, and we we talked about this in much more depth in, in episode one, so I won't go too much into it. But I just wanted to touch again that I feel like Doctor Pershing is such a sleeper character. Like, there's a reason he's not dead yet. And I feel like he's going to be a really important character in the long run, especially with all the cloning and like pickled Snokes. And we know that there's now ties to Bad Batch. And so like, I, I just, again, I just wanted to note that I feel like Pershing is a sleeper character who's very important that we should keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, I also like about Din in Previsla or Pazvisla, whatever the fuck his name is. Um, at that in act two they were at each other's throats they were ready to like stab each other and here the mandos all come together at the end because despite their differences they stick together like yeah that's just how yep. they do that is the way that's how cult like that's how cults are mm -hmm. and families yeah and cult families <laughs> oh, all of the above um yep. the very last question i wanted to ask you i have heard a lot of different people's interpretations of this and I wanted to hear what you thought. The title of this episode is The Sin. What do you think The Sin is? Well, I don't know. I don't know how there could be much debate over it, especially since, like you mentioned it, the title card does not come up till eight minutes in. So that's intentionally that, I mean, it might be they wanted to put the action sequence in there, but they could have just put it before the action sequence. So just starting the episode like they usually do. So it me so it means something, and it was when he got his Beskar money, and like that was his that he was se selling. Uh, that's the f that was the moment where in his head he sealed the deal, at, and did what he knew he shouldn't do, which is give the kid over to the slavering Nazis, and uh, I mean, basically, I mean, Grogu is him. You know, right down to we get his flashbacks and he was in a container and got that, you know, got opened up and, and rescued from the ghouls for, by Mandalorians. And that's what, you know, he just replayed his life, except he, now he's the one rescuing himself and he just gave himself back to the Nazis afterwards. It would have been, you know. That's so, really interesting because that's not how I interpreted it. Really, I and, and but that, I really and like that. that, that and that's what he's got to correct. You know, if he's he's not going to be able to live with himself till he corrects that. You know, and everything that the armor said and that John Favreau said, you know, just just pushed the knife in further, and he, you know, he got to do it. He got to do it. With that, I, I absolutely very much agree with that take. Um, I always sort of took it as him as the sin being as the sin of breaking away from his old life, 
Like he went against the code, his actions out of the Mandalorians, which in turn led to their destruction because then the Empire finds them. Yeah. Um, so it's a betrayal of his old life. Like he walks away from being a bounty hunter. He walks away from his coven that ends up leading them to their demise. Um, that's how I always took it, but I actually really like your explanation. Well, my, mine is mine is the mine is the flat surface, you know, as presented in the script. And yours is yours is definitely. I mean, but that's the thing is, it's it's the. It's called the sin, and it's you know we're basing this on like lone you know like Asian storytelling where you use the simplest thing to like try to do as much as possible like a little tiny ball of metal, you know. So there's you know the sin is gonna go in all directions, and you, the the one you did is just a more subtextual one, but it's there. It's for sure. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. So. But that's all I had for this episode. Did you have anything else? I do not. All right, Chris, score up the episode and let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, I gave it an 8 out of 10. You know, I mean, coming right after my 10 out of 10, you know, what are you going to say? It's it's just not it's not up to that episode, but it, it, it that's not really a complaint. You can't have every episode being being like that you know you gotta there's there's work that has to be done if you want it to be have any kind of you know depth to it so and that being said all that was done very well in this and also done in the most simple way that it could be done but there's just there were just more um um you know like pieces of the mechanics of the story put in this one so there was more story getting set up and then uh, by the same token, though, with a normal TV series, there would have a like would have a hell of a lot more <laughs> mm-hmm. thing, things happening in it than than, than this. But um, yeah, uh, eight out of ten. Given it a good, uh, uh, given an eight, the sort of like solid point for a, a solid good standard episode. For me, um, I had to look back and I scored the first episode an 8 out of 10 and I definitely liked that one a lot more than this one. <laughs> so, but like that's not a bad thing. Like, this is a very solid third act to pretty much what is the opening movie of The Mandalorian. Right. It feels like a very solid third act. Um, You know, if the show ended here and it was just the three episode miniseries, like, this would have been a perfectly fine finale. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I scored it a 7.5 out of 10. Because I liked everything in this episode. It's a solid episode. Um, I just like the first two better. I, I think they're just better episodes. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I'm in the minority of that. Because almost everybody actually argues that this episode is the best of the three. Because a lot of people like to see. like are, are, you know, are more about the Mandalorian kicking ass. I'm more of the visual guy. But that doesn't. I. I it's like I was telling somebody about like Matrix movies. The most boring part of Matrix movies for me are the fights. Those are the parts that I always tune out and just sort of watch and go like, okay, they're fighting now. What's coming after this? You know, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's work through this part and to, and get into some more gobbledygook. That's interesting. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, 
As always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Though, before we get into our written feedback, I just wanted to share something with you, Chris. Um, it's a, it was kind of, um, a, I guess it is a piece of audio feedback, even though I don't have it on me, but, um, I mentioned at the top of the episode how I was recently on Gold's Garage and Grays with our friend Charles. And when we were on there, Charles was telling me how much he really enjoyed our 300 episode and how he enjoyed hearing about like our podcasting journey, how we had kind of developed as podcasters and how we kind of like changed our show over time and like he really enjoyed listening to that episode and he specifically said um that he was a fan of yours but after hearing that episode he really enjoyed listening to you talk about about things in that episode like that you really solidified him as a fan of you oh me personally yeah you personally oh well thank you (laughs) i know it was really sweet i was like charles you sweet boy like you're so sweet um so, but I don't have any of that written down because we were just talking about it on the podcast and I remembered it. Awesome. Like, I know. So it was a really, really nice Thanks, thing. Bro. Yeah, it was really sweet. So um, as for the other feedback, uh, this week it comes from the, our Facebook. No, it comes from Twitter for our episode of Star Wars Visions for the Elder, Lop Nocho, and Akka Kiri. For, now, for some reason, uh, now the way you have this in our our show notes, it says "message from Charles," and then under it, it said "Bucho." So I saw it ahead of time, and I thought it was Charles saying hi to Bucho at the beginning, because because we had read a letter to Bucho, so I thought that was just his way of going like "Bucho, yay!" I actually think that Charles and Bucho like would really like get along really well. Like they, yeah, they probably would. Yeah, they probably would. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I don't know how anybody would not get along with Bucho. Bucho is just- or Robbie. Or, or Robbie, I miss. We need to invite those boys back, Chris. I yeah. miss talking to them. I love yeah. Bucho and Robbie. They're my babes. Yep. yep, yep, we do. All right, so this one comes from Bucho. He said, "Love the, the three J guys visions episodes so dang much. So did we. I didn't want it to end either. Neither did me. We. Neither. No, I wanted to keep going forever. I've been. I." I it's so funny. I'm fighting back doing. I'm just so used to doing the Paul Paul C. Kelly voice. I'm fighting back doing the Paul. You gotta C. do a New Zealand accent for Bucho. I I wish I could, but I don't wanna. I don't wanna humiliate myself the way I know I will. I, every time I try any kind of any kind of Australian, New Zealand, British accent, it all comes out as just this messy conglomeration of all of them, <laughs> and it's just terrible. Well, I'll tell you what, Bucho, like, if you're okay with Chris's horrible attempt at doing not gonna your do New it. Zealand accent, gonna let do us it. know. It ain't gonna happen. I've been more, okay, so he goes on. I'd been more curious and stoked about, I, I'd been more curious and stoked about Visions when it was announced. But as time goes on, I can see it becoming my second favorite, most rewatchable Disney era Star Wars after Rogue One. I can see that. Like, like the more I so I actually just watched Vision, a little bit of Visions the other night, actually, because I was um, talking with my stepmom, and my stepmom has been reading my fanfic, and I brought in Dan and Tajin from The Elder into my fanfic and so like we just watched it together the other night so she would have context of who like dan tajan were um and gosh i 
I just every once in a while, I'm like if I just need like a just a little dab of like Star Wars in my brain, I Visions is what I go to because it's so short. I can just like pick an episode and just like watch in like 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, like and that's that's why I I really really um I, I love visions i i wish it was longer i wish we had more of it than just like three episodes of our podcast i love it so much yeah <laughs> you're not telling me anything i don't know bucho like i just uh, uh i i miss doing visions chris can we do i it have again? a feeling we'll have more but we're probably gonna have to wait a while for that can we do it again can we go through visions again <laughs> <laughs> no i know uh, well did you have anything else for amando I do not. One of these days we'll do candy, but <laughs> we still have two big pieces left, so it's not today, though. Oh, mine are probably buried in my freezer. I need to dig them out and put them towards the front, just so yeah, yeah. I know what I, they are. I could definitely have candy next week because next week is an episode that Hope is not looking forward to, which sucks because it used to be her favorite episode. But I'm not looking forward to next week. Ah, anyway, but we're not there yet. So where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That is our website where this podcast is hunkered down in as its home and just a metric ton of other podcasts and all the back episodes, over 300 back episodes of J Guys and Jedi alone. Just one of our many. Some, some of them, the, me and Scott Gardner hit over 500 episodes together. Oh. So, yeah, yeah, it's insano, and that's just us. I think I I think the uh, uh, back to the bins are like chugging towards a thousand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they like are. They I think are. they're in the like eight hundreds or something, they something ridiculous like that. Um, but yeah, you can go there. You can go to Facebook where we've got the Two True Freaks podcast page where we post up everybody posts their shows when they come out. And we got the Two True Freaks Cantina where you can hang out. And uh, if you want to do it, um, you can go to uh, um, Twitter. And we have a Twitter page. You can tell by the tone of my voice I have a little disdain for Twitter. But that's okay because our Twitter is run by Gene Gene, the star-making machine. I I don't know what stars... Yeah, you might ask twinkle, why twinkle. Gene is called the Star Maker because Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Gene, how I wonder oh. where you are. Gene, up above the world so high. Gene, like a diamond in the sky. Gene, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Gene, how I wonder I lost it. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we were working on the audio drama and. Uh, <laughs> I I found out I didn't have a voice for a little girl who was kicking a bratty little girl who was kicking the back of an airplane seat, and uh, and I reached out to Gene and Gene got his daughter to do the role and Aww. a fantastic job. She did a fantastic job, and I'm just gonna say to Gene, be careful, be careful, Gene. You don't want to introduce too much talent. It, it might outshine yourself. Aw, good friend. She's good. She, the kid's Aww. got talent. The kid's, the kid's got pizzazz. You know what I'm pizzazz. saying? Pizzazz. She's got the zazz. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Gene's daughter saves... Gene and his daughter save the day. Anyway, that's where they can find me. Where can they find you? You can find me 
find us at J Guys and Jedi on Twitter, where it autocorrects Dinjarn into Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Only on my phone, though. My computer's fine. I'm gonna Only try to remember phone. that because I want to call him Dennis from now on. <laughs> You're gonna hear it when you edit. You're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, Dennis." All right. <laughs> Dennis. That still is no guarantee that I'll remember Hope, though. I know, I know. It's only on my phone does it correct into Dennis. It doesn't do it on my computer because I'm typing, but it's, it, just, it made me laugh. Um, you can follow us at Jacob's Jedi. You can also follow me at Hope Molinax. I am a writer for The Geeky Waffle, so you can read reviews and articles and stuff for me over there. Please go check out The Geeky Waffle and support us over there. Check out Space Waffles, which is my friend Arzu's show, where you can find me occasionally talking about that, and we do have a few more episodes planned coming up with, you know, I, I will be on the Midnight Horizon show to scream about my gaze when that book comes out, so we're penciled in for that towards the end of February. And yeah, check me out at Geek Girl Experience and help make Chris watch our tunes! Chris, I'm nervous about next week episode. Oh, we'll get you through it. I we'll, know. We'll walk you through it. It sucks, because next week's episode, for the longest time, was my favorite episode Can't of let the artist ruin your art. Can't let the artist ruin your art. You can still acknowledge it, but yeah, just don't don't let them take don't let them take your art away from you. you we we still... are gonna have a uh, I am gonna have like I'm gonna tell everybody now we're gonna have a, a, a talk. We'll have about a frank it. discussion. Yeah, a very frank discussion. And I I we'll talk about head. Frank. We'll talk about Dennis. And yeah, we're definitely gonna be talking about Judy Brown next week. Um, so yeah. But until then, when we talk about Sanctuary, which is the the episode next week, have fun and be safe out there. We love you. Wish for snow for me here in Atlanta. I'm so excited to get it. Um, and yeah, I oh, an Omera's next week. I will say Omera's next week, and I do ship Dennis and Omera together. Dennis and O'Mara can are such cute babies, and I want them to kiss. And I hope the show ends with him returning to O'Mara, and they're gonna make out, and it's gonna be great. Domera. For wonder, for a while there was Mandomera because we didn't know who his first name so was. Mandomera. for a while there, so. Oh, we got Pillboy. <laughs> I forgot Pillboy's in next week's episode. I've been watching The Good Place since when I saw Pillboy. I was like, Pillboy! It's gonna be fun. Anyway, bye! Bye! <laughs> <laughs>
two true freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about two true freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.